Hey mamas, we're going to be finishing up the phases of our cycle and consider a time of wonderment. Look forward to talking to you. So come on in the podcast. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hello, beautiful divas. Can you believe it's already May? Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane. I would like to first read you a review that I received. It's from M in the Valley, and she named it Pearls of Life. Jane is an excellent speaker who can provide her life experiences with practical advice. I wish I had received this information that she gives when I was preparing for my marriage in the 1970s. I would like to hear about pre- and postmenopausal advice with spiritual healing and the next chapters awaiting us in our Christian journey. Thank you, Jane. Well, thank you, M in the Valley, and I hear you. I wish I had this information in the 1980s, but we are here now, and so please help me spread the word. And M, we will discuss the beauty of our winter phase of life, our pre- and postmenopausal as well, so just keep listening. I want to remind you that if you are enjoying this podcast, to go ahead and click follow and also click the little bell. That way you'll receive the latest episode and you can find the place to write your review in the show notes. And I would really love it if you shared it with your friends, your daughters, or whomever the good God brings to mind, because I know there are so many women that would benefit from this. So today I want to discuss the last phase of our cycle, our luteal phase. It's called the luteal phase after the corpus luteum. This is what the follicle becomes once it has released the ovum or the egg at ovulation. The corpus luteum produces progesterone and estrogen and for about approximately 11 to 16 days. The thick mucus plug closes the cervix and the endometrium lining begins to build up. This is what I call our wonderment phase. Our body is literally wondering, has it created a new life or not? And in most cases, our cycles, the answer will be no. When we're married and we are trying to conceive, then the answer may be yes. I have particular thoughts and feelings about the luteal phase. During my seven years of infertility, I would wonder if we had conceived a child or not. I felt like I was holding my breath, and when the progesterone dropped and I began to menstruate, the tears and the depression would set in. Wow, I didn't even think I was going to get emotional talking about this, but I am. It was a trial and a very heavy cross. And while it was difficult time, it was also the time that I probably grew the most in my relationship with God because I had to lean in on Him. I had to give Him my poverty. I had to give Him my tears. And the great thing about it is I became His witness for natural family planning, and I deeply relied on His grace to get me through it all. It was because of our inability to conceive again that it took me down this journey to clearly understand what Holy Mother Church teaches about marriage, about sex, and about babies. We very easily conceived our first daughter by using Billings' ovulation method, and so really my pride just thought we got this. And both Steve and I had wanted a large family. We both were one of five, 
So five sounded a pretty reasonable number. In the back of my head, there was a little fear of actually having children too close. You see, when Steve was only two years old and 11 months, his mother had number four and number five twins. So there were 13 months between him and his sister, 12 months between that sister and the next sister, and then only 10 months between that sister and the twins. So my mother-in-law had five children under the age of three. Can you imagine? I couldn't. Now, in my little mind, as my dear little friend says, (laughs) in my perfect world, our children were going to be properly spaced two years apart. Friend, let me tell you, sometimes we have our perfect scenario of how many children we're going to have and what sex we're going to have and when we're going to have them. Do you have that? What else is in your perfect world? Are you going to school? Are you getting your master's and then you're going to get married? Are you planning on working five to 10 years in your profession before you're even open to children? Or has your perfect little world already been questioned? Are you wondering if you're ever going to meet Mr. Wright? Are you wondering why you haven't gotten pregnant yet when all your other married friends keep announcing their pregnancies? Or are you one of our fertile myrtles who just seem to get pregnant when you look at your husband and you just want to be done? Ladies, I get it. This is the reason why I'm a mindset coach as well. And in the mindset coach world, we call these manuals. Everyone has one of something. We have a manual because we have some sort of expectation or we have a group of expectations of how things are supposed to be. How's marriage life supposed to be? How's family life supposed to be? But sometimes because of these manuals, we become angry or frustrated or depressed because real life isn't what we imagined it would be. And we focus on our circumstances rather than the thoughts that we have about our circumstances. And a good mindset coach can help you sort through those thoughts and give you the space to really take them through what we Catholic mindset coaches call the reason cycle. If this sounds intriguing to you, I invite you to DM me so I can invite you to a special event that I'm organizing this summer. Well, getting back to the luteal phase, it's the second infertile phase in our cycle. Remember, I shared with you the analogy of the two high tides and the two low tides during our cycle. Our cervix is open during menstruation, closed during BIP, open during the fertile phase, and now it's closed again during the luteal phase. And if you've been listening and learning, you will understand that since this is another infertile phase, the pattern is unchanging. It may have the sensation of dry or it may be sticky, but it's an unchanging pattern. Also, I want to remind you that there's only one ovulation each cycle, and ovulation is the main event of the cycle. Now that peak has been identified and we know that ovulation has occurred, the stickers that we're going to use are going to be solid or solid green or solid yellow with the description of either dry or sticky for the sensation and perhaps cloudy or white in the appearance. And if you're not actually using stickers, then remember, you could always use the symbols. The symbol for dry is the Roman room or one, and the symbol for sticky is the equal sign. So some women find that they have a sensation of moist towards the end of the luteal phase, and they get very confused because typically moist is part of the fertile phase. But remember that moist sensation is the actual thick mucus plug when it's disintegrating. Okay, so what do you think will happen once there is a moist sensation at the end of the luteal phase? 
Well, if you guessed that your cervix is open and the progesterone is dropping because there is no new life that was conceived, therefore menstruation is going to begin and you start a new chart. You've identified ovulation through peak and therefore this bleed is actually menstruation and now you're in a new cycle. Okay, so what spiritual tool are we going to focus on during the luteal phase? Well, how about we focus on adoration? For those of you who are not familiar with adoration, let me try to explain it to you. As Catholics, we believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the host or in the bread. Not only do we receive Jesus in communion, but then we can also come to him to our local church during specific times when Jesus in the Eucharist is what we call exposed. In other words, the host is placed in a special holder called the monstrance, and that's placed on an altar for us to come and adore him. So therefore, it's called adoration. In some parishes, there's a special chapel where our blessed Lord is exposed perpetually. That means all the time, and therefore, it's called perpetual adoration. There's someone there adoring our Lord for 24 hours every night, every day. Parishioners will sign up for a specific time on a specific day for that hour and go spend time with our Lord. For instance, maybe you've signed up for every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9. Some of these chapels also have another door where you can simply come and visit without signing up for a specific hour. Because many times these chapels now, because it is in the middle of the night, they have a special code, they have a special lock on that door. So you have to be one of the adorers. I know for me, that's exactly what happened. There's a a parish that's near me, and I decided that I wanted to start adoration and sign up for an adoration hour in the evening after my family went to bed. And so that's what I did. I went to the secretary of that parish. I explained to her. She gave me the hour. She gave me the code. And so that's what I do. The hour that I go every week, I just push the button and I go on in. And it's kind of funny because I have this beautiful occurrence where I go It's in the evening, like I mentioned, it's late in the evening after everyone's gone to bed. And there's this man who comes in and he comes in every single time while I'm there. And he simply comes in for 10 to 15 minutes. I've been really blessed to get to know him. He comes in to visit Jesus between jobs. He has two jobs and he's ending one job and then he is going to the other and he has about 15 minutes. He's faithfully there. And since he can only stay for a few minutes, he doesn't sign up for the list of adorations, but he is a faithful adorer for that 15 minutes. Another way that adoration occurs is a specific time for the parish. So for instance, perhaps every Thursday evening from seven to eight, there'll be adoration. Sometimes this can be a formal liturgy with music and scripture readings and silence. And sometimes it'll be for more hours For instance, I know a parish that every Thursday, it's from like 7.30 in the morning to 7 p.m. at night or something like that. So people have set times, or you could simply go anytime during those hours. But I've also experienced a specific parish holy hour. So years ago, when we were in a different parish, we had 24-hour adoration every week on Wednesdays. It began after 9 o'clock Mass, so 9.30, and then it went until 9 a.m. the next day, or 8.50, right before 9 a.m. Mass. But every Wednesday within that 24 hours, we had a parish holy hour from 7 to 8. It had specific songs. We had psalms that we prayed. We had a gospel reading, and sometimes the priest or the deacon would give a talk. And it just so happened at that parish in those days, we had a number of priests. And so 
one of the priests would be leading the holy hour, and then we would have a couple of other priests that would offer confession at that holy hour, which was really nice. Another way of experiencing adoration, which is very popular at Steubenville conferences or Net D-Weeks or Focus conferences or Blessed Is She retreats or at Damascus Youth Summer Camp, is having a holy hour with a Eucharistic procession. And so let me explain what this is. This is when our Blessed Lord has been exposed for some time, and then the priest actually picks up the monstrance and carries the monstrance around the room and blessing those that are there. Now, depending on the type of the retreat and also depending on how large the retreat is, sometimes the priest will just go through the main aisles and the side aisles. Sometimes, depending again how large it is, you'll have an altar server with or maybe even a deacon with the incense. Sometimes they have candles beforehand. I've been to a retreat where it was more intimate and what they asked us to do was everyone sit in every other pew. And at adoration, the priest came. And when he came in the procession, he went through the pew that was empty and he stood before each person with the blessed sacrament. And so literally you were face to face with Jesus. And it was so, so intimate. It was such a healing, healing moment. I've been in a number of those. There's typically in this type of adoration, there's usually praise and worship music. And again, depending on the group, people may be kneeling, people may be standing, and sometimes people may be dancing or clapping, maybe even praying in tongues. These are the types of holy hours that can can be very extremely emotional as you experience Jesus in a unique healing way. And I remember one particular adoration at a retreat that I was chaperoning that was like this. And according to our agenda, it was only supposed to be a one-hour holy hour. And because of the kids and because of the praise and worship, I mean, they just got into it and it ended up, it was a three-hour adoration. It was just so, so beautiful. So lastly, you can always come and adore Christ in your church while he's still in the tabernacle. I had to go to a funeral recently, and I was the lector, and I got there early, and there was a number of people, daily mass had already been over about an hour ago, and there were a a few people in the pews just sitting and adoring Christ by themselves praying. You can always do that. Some people come early before mass, or like I mentioned, some people stay after mass and just sit quietly with him. I remember reading something from St. John Vianney asking, there was a man that would go to daily mass and he would just sit in the front and he would just sit there. And finally, one day, John Vianney went to him and said, what do you pray? He was just wondering. And the man just said, nothing. I just look at Jesus and Jesus looks at me. Isn't that beautiful? Some of my friends who have had children in parochial schools will get to school early and before pick up or slip into church after they drop them off just for a quick visit. And some people, like my friend Jose, will just slip in to say hello to Jesus on their way home or in between work. And like I mentioned, others have a monthly holy hour, a monthly hour for adoration, or maybe even a weekly one. I have a friend who was widowed while her children were very young, and before she was married, she would always participate in the First Friday Adoration, and many parishes will also have this, where Friday they'll begin adoration maybe just once a month, right after daily Mass, and then they'll expose the Blessed Sacrament until Saturday morning. 
And because her children were still little, she had a neighbor teenager who would come to her house early the first Saturday from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. So just in case her children woke up. And I remember at one point in our friendship, she looked at me and she said, you know, I have been going to adoration every first Saturday morning for 25 years. And now that the kids are all grown up and I can go anytime, I still like my Saturday mornings with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Adoration is a time for you to truly develop your relationship with Jesus. So now that you do know what Holy Hour is and adoration is, what do you do during that hour? I remember when I was first exposed to this concept of adoration, a dear friend of mine, I was in a prayer group and she invited me to a Carmelite, I don't know what it's called. (laughs) It's a Carmelite area. I mean, they all had their little huts and it was just really interesting. It was the first time I was exposed to Carmelite displaced. Anyway, they had a chapel and they had adoration and my friend really didn't tell me anything about it. And we just kind of sat there and I felt very awkward and I just started talking to Jesus. But some of the things that you can do for that hour, let me just kind of give you some hacks or spiritual tips. You could bring a spiritual book that you're reading. So for instance, if you're maybe reading A Life of the Saints, or if you're reading a meditation book, or maybe even if you're reading a Scott Hahn book, something like that. You could bring that with you. You could bring your Bible and read scripture. You could either just read a whole gospel or you could take different scripture readings, maybe the scripture readings of the day. I always recommend to also bring your journal so that you can write any kind of insights that you have through your meditation. You can write a beautiful letter to Jesus. You could bring your rosary or really anything else you want. I know there's a lady that comes before me that. I kind of relieved from my holy hour. And she actually has earbuds and she has her phone. And I don't know what she listens to because it's in her earbuds, but she knows exactly what time. And she doesn't even realize that I'm there because I sit behind her and then she just gets up and, and leaves. So the main purpose of adoration is for you to develop your relationship with Jesus. It can be a very quiet time, a very personal time, just you and Jesus. There could be a number of people, or it could be a parish holy hour where there's a set kind of liturgical format, or it could be at a retreat or a conference, like I was mentioning, a Steubenville or a net retreat or something like that. But adoration can be a really great place to bring all of those things that you're wondering or waiting for. Are there manuals in your life that aren't working? Well, bring them to Jesus. I heard a talk years ago from a young man who wrote a book from teachings he received from God the Father. And he challenged us saying that if you don't believe that this is from the Lord, and he just held up the book and he said, take the truth, holding the book, to the truth. And he pointed to the tabernacle. Now, I never ordered the book. I just listened to his talk, but I remembered that, take the truth to the truth. So you could even actually bring your catechism book, your Catholic catechism of the Catholic Church, if you have any, or if you have a question, are you wondering about something about your faith? Are are you questioning? Maybe you could even take your, your charts. If you're having a question about your charts, like asking the Lord, why is my body acting like this? I've seen college students bring their homework and sit before the Lord. I've seen families and couples sit together or even separately before the Lord. And this is a really great parenting tip. When you're having difficulty, with, especially with your teens, I recommend bringing them to adoration. And you don't have to sit together. They can sit 
on one side of the church and you can sit on another, but really just bring all of those difficulties, all those thoughts and feelings about the issue, whatever, and sit before the Lord. I also read a, it was a fictional novel, but this gentleman on his date actually parked his car before the church. Now, the church was closed, and the young girl who was, was Catholic, but she really wasn't raised Catholic, she was kind of like, what are we What are we doing here? And he said, well, we're sitting before Jesus, and this just reminds me to keep the conversation holy and to remember that Jesus is our chaperone, which I thought was kind of beautiful. So remember that you're speaking to Jesus, and he's speaking to you. And I promise you, the graces that you're going to receive are really incredible. So I know the graces that adoration brings to others let me share one that, that I personally received. Years ago, I was at an event and a Protestant woman and I began speaking, each sharing our relationship with our Lord. Our parish had that at that time was just beginning adoration every Friday during Advent. And so I was really excited about it. And I was talking to her about the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And so I've invited her and her husband to come and just experience Jesus in this way. So they agreed. And so the next Friday, it was late in the evening. We had to put my little ones to sleep and we met at the church. And I just explained a little bit about what was going to happen before we went in. And we didn't stay for very long. I think we stayed maybe 15 or 20 minutes. But I assure you, the graces were there. We had a few more conversations after that over time, but because of our crazy mom's lives and we were both in the military and they moved or we moved or something. But about two years later, she found me on social media and she told me that her family actually became Catholic. And she said that it was the night of adoration that really began that journey. She could feel Jesus there. Isn't that awesome? So if you have a non-Catholic friend, that's a really great opportunity to bring them to adoration before you bring them to Mass, because sometimes the Mass is just so confusing. We're kneeling, we're standing, we're sitting, what are we doing? But if you come to adoration, it's a really, really great space. If you've never been to adoration yourself, I really want to encourage you to call your local parish or look in the bulletin and find out if they have adoration. And if they don't, you could actually look at your diocese website as well, and you could probably find there's probably at least one church that has adoration sometime during the month. Maybe it's first Friday to first Saturday. Maybe it's a weekly adoration, or like I said, there's a parish near me that has perpetual adoration. Just going and sitting before the Blessed Sacrament for adoration is, is such a benefit. But if you feel that it's too much for you, then you know what? You can just simply find a Catholic church and go sit before the tabernacle. You may not see the host because he's in his house, but it is Jesus, and it brings him so much joy when we come and visit him. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops is calling for a Eucharistic revival, and adoration is a great way to begin this revival. You know, we are all called to revival. We're all called to conversion. Jesus desires each of us to have a personal relationship with him, and adoration will help this relationship deepen. Our luteal phase is our last part of our cycle. Remember, it's the unchanging infertile pattern. It's a time of wonderment. Even if we have no new life that was created because we're single and there's no re relations that we're having with anyone else, our body doesn't know that. And it's healthy to have our progesterone and our estrogen rise properly during this time. It's a very healthy attribute. It's a sign of health for a woman to have a luteal phase. 
So if you have any other questions, please reach out to me. I'm on social media, Mama Jane 25 at Instagram. I'm on Facebook, Jane Snyder. Or remember, you can go to my website. If this information has been really good, but you just want to hear it again and you want to see something, I do have that Uniquely Beautifully You mini course available. And remember, it's the podcast 23 is the coupon code. So let's close with the blessing of St. Paul. Name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole, entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia. I hope you benefited from this podcast today. The best compliment you can give me is to share it with others. And again, I want to encourage you to go click to the show notes to get the Uniquely Beautifully You mini course. Till next week, this is Mama Jane.